Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, guys. So big homestand for the race. They've got the Yankees, then the Red Sox, and Seattle all good teams. Of course, the Yankees are, are reeling a little bit right now. Red Sox uh, in first place. Here's my question for you, Steve Versa. You brought up a, a, a comment the other day to us that I, I still can't believe. If you took the race pitching staff as it, as it exists right now, I mean, the guys who are out there actively on the roster and pitching, would you rather have that group of players or the, all the guys that are on injured reserve or in, on the injured list? I can't believe you just – the other day you were kind of listing the name of the pitchers that are not here. It's incredible who they're missing. So the Rays have the best ERA in the American League, and they're sixth in baseball. And, and generally, the National League teams have lower ERAs because the pitchers bat in that league. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So they have the lowest ERA in the American League. I believe they have the lowest bullpen ERA in baseball. But I'm pretty sure the American League that works. So they've done this, and they're, they're 20 games above 500, 60 and 40, with 13 pitchers on the IL. 13? Nick Anderson, Chris Archer. Colin McHugh, Brendan McKay, Tommy Hunter, who they just traded for, J.P. Fireisen, Tyler Glass now, Ryan Thompson, Oliver Drake, Chaz Rowe, Cody Reed, Yanni Chirinos, Colin Poche, Jalen Beeks. 13 pitchers on the IL, and they have the best ERA in the American League, and they're 60-40, and 40, third best team in the American League, I think, uh, standings-wise. That's just, I, I mean, it speaks to how great this organization is just in identifying guys. And, and they, uh, we've always, we've said this, like, you know, you might have a better 25 man roster. You might spend three times, um, you know, for every dollar that the race spend to win. We, what we say one through 40, it might be more one through 50 or 60 that they beat you. And that's just an incredible number of, of pitchers that, you know, that they were counting on that's not there. Um, what does it say about what they've done? The other night they played the Cleveland Indians and they, you know, after, you know, trading Rich Hill, they declared it a, one of those bullpen nights. And all they did was, like, I think they had four or five guys, you know, come in and work and, and gave up maybe one or two runs. I mean, just, you know, went right through the Cleveland lineup. I mean, it was incredible. It was like, yeah, no sweat. We got this. And they just continue to to invent ways, you know, to to win games and, it's it's nothing short of remarkable to me, um, and and I still believe though, uh, Steve and Derek Sharp joins us again today that they're going to have to do make a move. I mean, I, I I don't know what you trade. I don't know what the price tag. I don't even know who's available to be honest with you because guys like Max Scherzer now has an arm trouble, and you know you got to see who's healthy and all that. Um, but I I still find it hard to believe unless, as we said the other day. They're really convinced that Archer is close. He was throwing 95 miles an hour in Durham. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they must have good reports on Tyler Glass now, which would be an absolute, you know, uh, you know, a huge boost to them, to say the very least, if he's able to come back at all. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I I don't know what the plan is, but it is it is nothing short of miraculous what they've done with this pitching staff. Well, and don't forget too. So you know, McClanahan, Patino, um, Yarbrough's a starter now. I don't know if he'd start in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Waka's a starter, but no, you know no they're hope. Yeah, Glass now you hope to have back. Right, Chris Archer you hope to have as a piece. Don't forget you got Shane Boz, who most likely will be up after the Olympics at some point. Maybe it's not till September. Uh, and he's the third piece of that Chris Archer trade to the Pirates. Right. Young pitcher that they got in the trade that um, is really good. He's playing on the Olympic team right now to show you how good he is. So, yeah. um, you know, you hope to have him. Uh, you know, your your bullpen, you know, Colin McHugh and Fire Eisen, you hope to get back soon. I mean, Colin McHugh just went on the injured list. Nick Anderson's going to start rehabbing pretty soon. That's a big one. Uh, I believe, one. Uh, uh, actually, yeah, he's rehabbing now. Archer's pitching four innings or 60 pitches today in Durham. So, I mean, Archer could be here within a week. Right. Possibly. I mean, if they want to make a second rehab start. Uh, you know, so as good as their pitching staff is right now, they've got reinforcements coming already internally. Now, will they make a move externally? If there's a pitcher that's available to them at the right price, yes. I mean, the Rays show you they'll make moves. Mm-hmm. You know, the question is who's available, which teams think they're out of it. You know, um, is Washington think they're out of it? Is Max Scherzer on the block? Right. Um, could Charlie Morton be available in Atlanta? If Atlanta doesn't now, they're only you know four or five games out at this point, right? And the and the Mets have an injured Degrom, so do they? Does Atlanta still think they're in it? Don't know. I mean, in this week you got to decide that because the trade deadline's this week. So a lot of teams right now have to figure out: are we in it, or are we going to you know look to add pieces, you know, for the future to our organization? So um, and the, you know, there's lots of teams that have to make those decisions, you know. And, and you know, the sad part about baseball this year. If you look at it, we may already know all the teams in the playoffs. You know, Boston has a you know one game lead on Tampa Bay, who's leading the wild card, and then there are nine games up on the Yankees. The White Sox are eight and a half up on the Indians. The Astros are five and a half ahead of Oakland, who's the second wild card, and Seattle is just a game and a half back. That's the only you know the playoffs in the in the American League are down to basically you know six teams for five spots. Mm-hmm. The National League, the National League East is still up for grabs. The Mets have a what four game lead over the Phillies, five over the the Braves. Milwaukee seven games up on the Reds. Giants, Dodgers, and Padres. You know the, the the two wild cards are coming from that division, and then nineteen games back is Colorado from there. I mean, we pretty much know the teams in the playoffs already, mm. and it's you know July now. You know the NL East. Does Philadelphia say yeah this isn't our year, or do they go for it? Atlanta. You know, Washington's eight games out. You know, those teams have to make some decisions now. Right. You know, you know, Cleveland, they're eight and a half games behind the White Sox. Do you think they can catch them? No. And they're, what, five games behind the wild card, the second wild card at this point? You know, I mean, that's the decision Cleveland's got. You know, and there's, there's a lot of teams like that. Got to decide, you know, do we think we still have a shot or are we going we gonna to put up the, the, the trade? You know, we're open for trades. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, the Rays are going to at least be a wild card. I, I don't know how important it is to win the division, certainly start getting to things like home home field advantage well, and stuff Well, you don't like want that. that one game wild card. I mean, you do want to right. win the division. It's not like last year where everybody played in and they put took extra teams That's right. There's year. a lot of pressure, you know, for yeah, that You're one back game. to that one game wild card, which the Rays have been in before. They've won it. They've lost it. Right. Uh, you know, you'd much rather win the division and be guaranteed to go ahead to a series 
mm-hmm. the first round instead of a one game. Well, they better they better position themselves by the last couple of weeks of the season, last week of the season. Their their final two game uh, road games, their final two series at Houston and I believe at the Yankees. The Yankees could be out of it by then, though. It I could mean, be, you know. And the Astros may have already clinched their division by that point too. So that yeah, may not be as as difficult of a road trip as you think, but perhaps not. But, but you don't know. I mean, you don't. You just don't know. I mean, Oakland maybe makes a run and, and challenges Houston for the division, right? And the Yankees would love to play spoiler, no matter what the situation is up there. But you're right. They may be circling the drain, drain at that point, too, um, given where they're at now. But, yeah, it's going to be. But you've got enough series against Boston. We've got, what, four series left against Boston? you got four left this, with them. This weekend, and then you're mm-hmm. on the road there in August, yeah. mid-August. And then um, at the end of August, you're home, you got them at home, and then you're on the road the next week, uh, Labor Day, and for a couple of days. So yeah, you got you got twelve games left against Boston, so or thirteen actually, right? So I mean that you know those thirteen games may determine the division or have a big say in this. So they may. The guy that the guy that they're really going to give a long look at from the organization is is Patino. Um, you know, I was there. Uh, what was it, like a week ago? I did a game um, mm-hmm. that Wednesday, was a walk off. Yeah, yeah, last the, Wednesday the by game. yeah by Meadows had the walk off and. Um, they were activating Patino from like the taxi squad at that point. And he, and he did pitch and, and he gave up four runs, but you know, one of those was after an intentional walk, the cash walked the guy, then a three run Homer. Um, the kids, he's 21 years old. Uh, he is seeing when you talk to him, he's mature beyond his years. I mean, that's a cliche, but it's true. Uh, and, and I think his stuff is, you know, electric. I mean, he's got a good fastball, upper nineties. He can, he has a wipeout slider, um, a little like Archer in that sense, you know, that, uh, those, those are his two main pitches, but they're going to give him every chance, I think, to, to, to find a place in their starting rotation. You know, um, they're not going to, I don't think they're going to move him back and forth between Durham anymore. I think they really want to see what they have in this guy. And they liked his last outing, even though, you know, the ERA might not be, uh, might be a little skewed, um, but they liked the way he battled and he, and he kept them in the game and they wound up, uh, winning that baseball game. But, uh, I, I think that that's, you know, that's, that's one of those guys, Archer, if he comes back, I don't know how much I can count on Chris Archer. I, I, you know, I wasn't too excited when they got him back, you know, from, from, uh, the pirates, but you know, he got hurt. Um, we know he's been in big games before, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, you know, by all reports his velocity's back, all of that stuff. So, but if he's your fourth starter, are you'd you be that, okay with it? Yeah, no, I'm okay yeah, with I mean, it. You know, I mean, do I want him to be the ace on the staff? No. Right. Well, if I get Glass, first of all, if they get Glass well, now back, then they're then they're golden, right? I mean, sure. and I don't know how many innings he can pitch. Maybe it's only four. I don't know how built up he needs to be, but that's to me that's house money if you get him. Um, but you're right. If Archer's, you know, my first of all, you need three good guys and go in a seven game series. Mm-hmm. You know, you need an ace to go against the other team's ace. You're gonna, you, you know, those three guys are going to going to be basically the guys you're going to ride in the playoffs. Um, so we'll see. I mean, the one thing they have to their advantage is their bullpen is lights out. There's nobody as good in the bullpen right now, and they're going to get more guys back, I think, off the IL here that you just named in a, in a, in a couple of weeks or days. Uh, we'll see how long that takes. So if, if Anderson and some of those guys come back, McHugh gets, McHugh gets better. Uh, he's, he's been lights out. You still got guys like Drake and Reed down there. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of help, but – well, and um, you mentioned you mentioned that they were they were pleased with his outing on Wednesday, and John Cooper talks about this a lot with the Lightning. But the Rays, particularly with younger players, 
It's the process over the outcome. Yes. You know, this is about, you know, I mean, they they gave up Blake Snell to get Luis Patino. That shows you, you know, he was the the prime piece of that trade. They got got Mejia and and they got some other pieces too. But Mm -hmm. Luis Patino was the big arm that they got back in that trade. Yeah. They gave up Blake Snell for that arm. They believe in that arm. Yeah. And they're going to give him every chance. And it's and it's really about the process at this point. If he loses a game, he gives up a three-run home run, but everything else was good. You know, this is about the long-term with him and improving and getting ready for the postseason and the rest of his career, too. So, yeah. um, you know, yeah, at this point they've said, you know, he's up here unless, you know, they just have to send him back because he's not performing. And that doesn't seem to be the case with him at this point. So. I know he's older, but it's kind of like they were kind of in this position a year ago. You know, Glassnell had that great month, uh, and they got hurt, and and then eventually he came back and, you know, was essentially the ace of their staff. Um, you know, I'm not comparing the different pitchers, but but I think I think Patino could be that late-season surprise, right, that all mm-hmm. of a sudden you find out, boy, we've got ourselves, you know, a, a wipeout right-hander that can start games and, and every fifth day and, um, you know, hold a major league lineup down. And, and let's face it, with that bullpen, you're looking for five innings. That, that's really, you're looking to go through the lineup twice. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can do that, you're, you're you know, you, you've just shortened the game for them because they're so good on the back end. So, um, look, they know what they're doing. We'll see if they make a trade. The deadline is certainly fast approaching, and, um, you know, it's going to be something to watch for sure. I wanted to talk to Derek uh, about college football and about college sports in general. Derek, I got to be honest with you. When I saw this story, you know, Texas, Oklahoma uh, moving to the SEC, first of all, can the SEC get any better, right? Can they get any richer? And what what might Texas A&M be thinking right now if here come the Longhorns? Um, Texas A&M is thinking they are very upset, trust me. (laughs) Right? They're looking at, hey, does the SEC – how are they getting our money? This is not what we signed up for. <laughs> That's right. I said, I said, what is going on? Um, listen, I, I think college, college sports in general, of course, we know is changing uh, uh, as rapidly as as uh, as climate right now. I mean, it just everything is is happening so fast. But I think, I think where we're headed here is that there's going to be um, conference realignment. And that's that's going to have all kinds of ripple effects, right? Whether it's the Pac-12 or the Big Ten, or dare I say, uh, the American Athletic Conference, which which also could get stronger as a result of this. Mm-hmm. Um, just just what's your what's your thoughts about what seems to be like a seismic shift in in what's happening in college football in particular? Well, the first thought is how unhappy is Texas? I mean, I know that going to the SEC is is a big benefit on the surface but it's going to be tougher mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be a lot tougher for them mm-hmm. uh, with the the 12 team thing that's going to be happening in a, in a couple of years i think it would have been an e- easier not easy right easier road for texas via the big 12 to get right. in than it's going to be in the sec where yeah the sec is going to have more teams in the playoffs than anybody probably four i'm if i'm guessing Right. They're not they're not gonna be one of those four. <laughs> they're just not. Mm-hmm. So obviously there's a lot of money involved there. I think it's gonna be an unbelievable, not just cash grab, but really livelihood livelihood grab for so many programs here. And listen, I don't feel sorry for the Big Twelve at all because have twelve teams. 
if you're going to call yourself the Big 12, first of all. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Second, Which teams are you kicking out of the Big 10? <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Really. Uh, the, the the Big 12 is 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 not going to be any longer unless they really pull something off or get extremely creative and have to settle for pulling in some teams from, you know, maybe Conference USA, slide over here to the Mountain West perhaps, but... I don't know. I mean, well, we're recording this on Sunday night uh, just for in case things may have changed by the time you hear this. But Oklahoma State apparently is pursuing Big Ten membership. Big Ten, yeah. Kansas as well. Um, you know, if Texas, Oklahoma leave, it may be the last guy out the door, you know, right. is stuck in the Big 12. Yeah. Um, you know, That's I, I got to imagine Iowa State and others are looking at, you know, working with Pac 12 or, you know, what are we going to do? Is well, I know the Coast the Conference American- adding? No, the American definitely, uh, from what I've heard, Mike Oresco is not going to sit around. Um, now, they could end up getting the pick of whoever is left over in the Big 12. Frankly, whoever it would be, mm-hmm. would be would be a benefit to the American. I mean, you look at those teams, we talking about teams like Baylor and Iowa State and Texas Tech, Oklahoma mm-hmm. State, there's Kansas is probably seeking Big 10, uh, but anybody I'm not going to say on the surface would be a, an improvement, but will be a benefit to the American. So it's going to help them. But I, I, I just, well, but which American them. schools are pushing to get go elsewhere. I mean, you know, the other thing is what will the American look like long-term? Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it, Cincinnati's going to be pushing to go to a con- you know, the Atlantic coast conference or something. USF's going to be pushing. I mean, you know, they all are I mean, because it's yeah. all about television dollars and money. Yeah. It's not about geography anymore. My God. I just, I, 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 I it's, Listen, for me, there's still some old co- uh, teams in new conferences that, to me, they still aren't. I mean, Rutgers is in, what, the Big Ten? Yeah. It's about, it's about television market, the New York City television market. That's what I'm it's still all not about. buying that. I'm still not buying Maryland as Big Ten. I mean, so to me, Oklahoma and Texas, it, they're just going to be like other teams in the SEC. And I know their fan base is probably going to be mixed on this because – yeah, it's it's clout and what have you, but that's going to be a rough road. Again, the money's going to be fantastic, but it's not like those those athletic programs don't have money coming in hand over fist as it is. It's it's just one mystifying move to some degree that is going to create a massive, you know, tumbling of dominoes as a result of the move. That's what I'm still, you know, I'm trying to wrap my head around. I I, I read a story. Um trying to think i can figure out because steve you you sent it over to me was it uh mm-hmm. what publication was this it, it was, was on one Barst- of the usa was- today blogs it was on well which depending which story i sent you barstow sent you barstow may have picked it up but it was essentially the story is this and i've seen it in a couple uh, forms and that is that and this won't surprise anybody um it's about money and it's about television money in particular yeah and you know espn which has you know, it's hooks into every conference. It seems they basically own the programming for the ACC, the SEC, part of the Big Ten, and the Pac-12. Um, on top of that, they're also the one that owns the rights to the college football playoffs. Yeah. So you pretty much control college football if you're ESPN. And you know what's the future of uh, you know of the networks and and, and you know just college football we know outside of the nfl is is probably the most popular and the most lucrative 
uh, piece, right, in, in live programming. So well, it's a good thing that Fox has the NFL because the big, 12 yeah, is the big right, right now, right, exactly. And so, you know, Fox is, you know, if you, if, if that's the conference that's you're being televised for, well, uh, I don't know how they can compete. And they're talking about, you know, this is almost like, European soccer, the Premier League, you know, where you have this super conferences or super conference uh, and then everybody else. But uh, look, they're going for the money. This is no shock. I mean, that you know, whether you, you know, the Longhorn Network is is failing or, you know, they think they need um, the support of uh, ESPN and the SEC. I, I don't know, because you're right. Competitively, careful what you wish for, as Jimbo yeah. Fisher said, um, you know, yeah. it, they're already strong and they're about to get even that's that much stronger. I think the big 12 is going to, is going to be obliterated. I think is if those, if Texas, Oklahoma leave, um, you'll see teams, you know, trying to find a, a musical chair, whether it's with the PAC 12 or the big 10. And I think you're right, Derek. I think there's going to be teams wanting to move into the American athletic conference. I'm sure there's some that would like to join one of the super conferences too. Um, but I would think it would only make the Americans stronger in, and if you're USF, I'll be really happy about that. Oh, no doubt. Well, to go along with that, uh, you mentioned the the Premier League having 20 teams because that's what the SEC could be ending up. I think they should just play it on out if they do that. They should have, just like they do in European soccer, uh, if you finish in the bottom three or four, you are relegated to the next conference down so that, uh, you know, Vanderbilt, Missouri. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Ole Miss. Kentucky. They can be, yes, yeah. they can be in the SEC light because in all <laughs> seriousness, if you have, t- t- okay, it's 16, even 16, how unwieldy is that going to be as far as getting a balanced schedule? You're not going right. to get a balanced schedule. No, You're going to have to have no. two separate, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work Maybe three, out. maybe three divisions. Who knows? You yeah, know? yeah, the, to, to make sure that there's some sort of regularity and then no because you'd have to have the conference championship game would you still have you i guess you'd still have obviously a lot of questions but you combine this with the likelihood of a 12 team playoff and it is going to completely change the game i'm 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 a big fan of 12 team playoffs i know that's a separate topic but this kind of takes topic number one to me at least for the next few months because there is going to be all sorts of dealing going on Oh, and I, I don't think it's a coincidence either. I think the 12 team discussion was knowing what was coming down the road, mm. um, you know, and, you, you know, you know, an awful lot of SEC teams vying for those playoff spots. There's no question about that. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. Let me ask you, because USF is going to be starting. When do they start their... uh their off-season program, not their off-season program, their in-season program. Now the fall uh, is here, so practice has to be around the corner, right? Yeah, a couple weeks away. Um, actually, I'm going to do a load of interviews in a couple of Saturdays, and I think that's right when they start camp, mm-hmm. uh, three and a half weeks before the season starts, which is uh, September the 2nd. So it's coming up. 
is coming fast. And listen, I, I, I felt for any college coach, whether it was even Mike Norval at Florida State, you name it, that took over during what was just an unimaginably bad year, right? With COVID, um, you know, practices canceled, uh, really uh, the spring uh, was was essentially virtual. Um, it, that's an awful tough place to be. And yet, I think they probably learned a lot and it's, it's going to be, how different will it be in year two um, over there for USF? Well, first of all, they have identified a couple of key areas of need. And one that definitely, definitely got improved upon is the secondary. Um, I know that there were a couple guys that were homegrown guys that were very, very popular in Hampton and sales, but uh, they're also, you know, five ten. And now you look at that, that part of the team is going to be a strength where it wasn't. Um, that's just an example of this coaching staff realizing that, all right, if we're going to compete, we've got to at least have certain parts in play, place that we didn't. Uh, the next one is going to be defensive line. That's, that's still going to be an issue in my opinion. But bringing in the entire coaching staff and sort of getting that part of it out of the way, now you've got that, you're not, teaching them this first time around you're not getting everybody used to a whole bunch of new coaches for some players their third set of coaches uh they're familiar with everyone uh, especially i think that's going to work out on offense uh m- much like everything right it's mostly about the quarterback i'm telling you they've they've got it they've got a battle there uh mm-hmm. cade fortin is the guy that i think if you had to pick somebody right now would be the leader but he's going to have some competition and let me tell you, Jeff Scott, I mean, first of all, he's put together a wonderful group as far as the coaching staff goes, but he is starting to get guys, guys that could have gone to Clemson are going to be here. And it's almost like they, they don't want everybody to know how good this Timmy McLean kid is, mm. but he was the state champion quarterback for Seminole High School in Samford. Mm-hmm. He is spectacular, sensational jaw-dropping everything what he did in the spring game made us think you know probably way too in advance he could he could be he could be in the lineup really soon so Mm. they're starting to build it they don't have a full roster yet of his type of guys obviously meaning Clemson I know another thing to keep an eye on is running back uh you know Etienne just think of how sturdy he is for Clemson Mm. Uh, the, the Bulls whatever reason have basically built over the last few years just a reputation of having a bunch of scatbacks. Right. And that's why Leo Parker, who's a linebacker at Plant, got converted to running back, big, powerful dude, huge, if you've ever seen him in person. And he started to get more carries at the end of the year. Unfortunately, I saw when it happened during their spring workouts, he actually got injured. He's not going to play this year. So uh, that's another example, though, of what they're trying to change. They're trying to bring in you know, bigger guys on the defensive line, running back overall in general. So uh, long story, long answer, trying to make it shorter here is that I don't think they're going to have a winning record this year, but you're going to see that improvement. And then I think year three, look out kind of thing. Well, and Derek, I, you and I were both at the spring game for them. And Timmy McLean was impressive, but so was Jaron Williams, the Miami Hurricanes transfer. True, very true. I mean, you know, I know Cade Fortin's probably going to be your starter, but. I was impressed by both of those guys, McLean and Williams. I mean, it'll be a battle between those two. A lot more athletic, uh, could scramble out of the pocket, but still accurate when they throw out of the pocket. 
and then um, you know, which is kind of what football has become today. Sure, um, and those, uh, you know, I, I think you could go with either one of those guys, and I think fans would be impressed by what they see on the field. I mean, you know, obviously it'll be a battle in camp, and, and Jeff Scott will choose the best quarterback, but you know, seeing some of the backups, you know, or what's listed as the backups at this point, I mean, I think the future's bright. Yeah, and I think you're. It's going to be exciting. I think the schedule is just an example of what's to come. I mean, their first home game is against the Gators. Florida, yeah. Trust me, no one's expecting an upset there, but at least you can – and it's not just a one-shot deal. They have got two-for-ones. They've got Alabama on the schedule in the future. It's Miami. I mean, it, it is a really good time to start to dig in with USF. And, you know, again, I don't expect them to go to a bowl game this year. Um, they would have to basically win all of those close games that you anticipate in compass and conference like last year with Temple and Memphis should have won both those games. They didn't They'd have to win every single one of those in order to have that winning record. They're going to need to make a bowl, but I don't think that's really uh, a goal that they're looking at. I just think continued improvement and really hit the recruiting trail, continuing to bring in their guys. It's all about players as we know in football and particularly the quarterback position. And Jeff Scott is going to need some time to get those guys in here. Um, but they won one football game a year ago. What do you think uh, is is maybe his biggest takeaway? What did he learn uh, the most in year one as a head coach? Where has he been self-critical uh, about his first year? I think what he really learned is how difficult the conference is. I right. mean, right. And listen, there there's a couple of – we can't even really call them freebies at this point uh, – lesser opponents. But when teams like Tulsa are strong and Cincinnati are strong – Right. Uh, Houston, SMU have really improved. Tulane's really improved. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not really a pushover anymore. East Carolina was that, but they've gotten better with the newer head coach. And then, of course, the the one gimme victory is no longer because UConn's out the door. Right, right. Talk about leaving conferences and wondering what the heck <laughs> they were, th- what the heck they were thinking. Uh, well, what a mess that place was. But anyway, um, that was it because I, I think a little part of him wanted to just assume that, Hey, I've seen strong competition. Won't be as difficult. We'll at least grab a couple W's, but they never came. It was just that first game against the Citadel. And then he really did have to learn that even though, listen, he's in Florida, the talent's here, but you kind of have to work for it. And he realized that for whatever reason, the Tampa Bay area wasn't necessarily recruited like it should have been over the last couple of years. So to sort of, and it feels weird to say that, but say this, but reintroduce USF into the high schools here. And, and that's something they probably didn't think he'd have to do, but he certainly, uh, well, yeah, Charlie's Charlie strong did not recruit this area very well. Yeah. And didn't, didn't put the effort into it. Right. It's incredible to me, by the way, it's just incredible. Mm-hmm. And I know high school coaches and you're right. They didn't have a relationship over there with those guys. Yeah. And it, it, it just, it was short-sighted at best uh, on Charlie's part, but um, certainly Jeff has made those connections, had them already, quite frankly, as you know, Derek, I mean, he recruited this area hard yeah. uh, for Clemson. So those, th- those relationships were built for him before he got here. Yeah. And you even look at a couple guys on the roster that no one's going to be, I mean, Steve does, cause he heard me at the um, spring game, spring game, getting way too excited when he got into the 
lineup, but uh, Catfish, Michael Hamilton, the kid from Mitchell High School, is a mm. guy that, you know, USF should have been on a few years ago. And all mm. of a sudden you look up and there's Michael Hamilton, junior that went to Ellsworth Junior College in Southwest Oklahoma State. Now he's back here. They have got a handful of guys like that wow. that are listed as juniors or seniors that are on the Bulls this year for the first time that went off to a school like Pikeville, a school like uh, Weber International. Oh, mm-hmm. what do you know? They're magically on the USF roster, which they should have been three years ago kind of thing. So uh, you're going to start to get more of those type of stories. Jamal Nash, a linebacker from Armwood, went off to Dodge City in, in Kansas. Mm. So they've got you know more than a couple. They've got a, a handful of players like that, and that's a good story. Yeah. Well, some of those JUCOs, some of those smaller schools brought back guys like Jason Pierre-Paul right? And uh, Levante David at the same college out in, uh, was it Kansas? Um, So yeah, it's, uh, listen, it's exciting. I I wanted one more thing about USF and you're, you're there uh, is of course the, the drive for uh, a football facility, indoor facility. Um, Where does that stand? Uh, And and it's just got to be a huge difference maker when you think about the landscape of college sports and that what USF needs over there for that. It's in it's in a great place right now. Uh, basically, I can't wait to get back to the offices because the entire, essentially the area underneath our offices where it, where the new football locker rooms are going to be mm. ready to go in just a couple of weeks. And then wow. the construction will begin essentially in and around what they have now and then mm. in full force this upcoming summer. So it's ready for next season. The indoor wow. practice facility will be ready for next season. It's going to be a huge deal, and really, kind of, I know the geography of what's going on there. It's not going to really displace anybody. What the other benefit of it is, and when I say not displace anybody, it's it's going to improve every every other uh, team as far as their facilities because they'll end up using some of the offices that football has now. But uh, it's not just the actual indoor practice facility. It's everything. It's the football center, and it is just going to be uh, huge as and we're talking about recruiting just now, a benefit because what they have now is nice. What they're going to have in a year is is going to blow it away and uh, obviously help out during those wonderful, as you're experiencing right now, summer-type training camp conditions, and not just during training camp, but also you know once you get to the season. I know the Bucks use the indoor quite a lot, and why wouldn't you? So it's, it's happening. It's really all happening in a positive direction right now. Yeah, and I, I watched that thing go up, and every day I was just like, how how long will it take? And, and it, it is a – I can tell you from being out there so many years, um, same thing USF puts up with with the thunderstorms, um, with the lightning where you have to come on and off the field, um, and just really getting out of the heat. I mean, you know, it's it's hard to hydrate guys all week long. They work in it. They play in it. Sometimes a team coming down from up north only has to survive three hours and are actually better conditioned maybe in some ways to do that. But – um, just to have a place where you can do that uh, and, and and deal with that sort of thing, it it, it is a it is a game changer for football teams as a because it's cumulative. It may not you may not see it in September, you may not feel it as much in October. You get to November, December, um, that's where it starts to wear on you. So uh, excited that they're finally going to get that done, and you're going to see them break ground and and that thing start to go up, and that's going to be uh, really fun. So we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot this week, I'm sure. Uh, with Derek, with Steve going on vacation, he's going to uh, uh, be running the show here. We got Tom Jones, 
it's like the whole band is back together. Uh, we got, yeah, I'm really uh, going to go on vacation this time. So yeah, so. I know we mentioned that you were leaving, <laughs> but this time you are leaving. Get out of here already. Um, yeah, Enjoy. so we're we're going to have a lot of fun. Um, I know Tom's looking forward to it. So yeah, it's going to be again. Bucks continue their training camp. We got uh, Yankees and the uh, and the Rays. We've got probably the trade deadline fast approaching. Maybe some deals going to be made there, whether it's uh, the pitching staff certainly is where you would think they would be headed with that. So lots to talk about, lots to discuss here on Sports Day Tampa Bay. My thanks again uh, for Derek and Steve this time. Get in the car. You know, the kids are waiting. Uh, the suitcases are in there. You got to leave. You got to go, buddy. You can't keep hanging on here. He wants to be around for show 1000, but he's not. <laughs> I know. Send me a. Yeah, I'll, send... t- I'll take my cue. You don't have to hit around the. Bu- you don't have to beat around the bush. I'll, right, I'll, I'll leave now. Get going and uh, and and send us uh, send us a nice cake or something for our thousandth show that we'll have with Derek instead of you because it didn't mean that much for you to be for our one thousandth show. But that's okay. Should I send a postcard? Do people do that anymore? I think so. Okay. Yeah, send some postcards. That'd be nice. Kids don't know about postcards. <laughs> the youngins, they don't know about mail. When you say mail, you mean email. You mean Can they I get, get on my things? phone? In a, in a, I was trying to explain news. You try to explain newspapers to anybody under the age of like say twenty five. <laughs> you know, it's like so. Now you take the paper. You take yesterday's news, and you're going to put it down on paper. I was and telling then, my my kids the other day about you know. I said, you know, when I was you know when I college or you know I didn't have a phone in my pocket. Yeah, like, phones what? were attached to the wall. What? What? Yeah. You know, you couldn't just look something up when you're, you know, out at a park or something, you know? You didn't no have any Google, of that. No Google machine, right? No, no, absolutely not. No, they're, Steve, they're like, what are you talking about? Steve, well, I guess Rick would too. Steve would definitely know, as far as radio goes, sports radio, how we got our news with the outstanding ticker machine that, oh, didn't, yes. that didn't use up too much pieces of paper at all, did oh, it? Oh, God. The old AP machine. Oh, you know? yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, now that now that is actually in your hand. You have a ticker in your hand. It's called a phone. Yeah. No, it's uh, uh, the and world. That's has how you're listening changed. to this fantastic podcast, which I don't think we had back in then. No. I, I, I like where we come. I like where we are now. Remember when we would have to splice tape to get this together? Oh, God. <laughs> I don't even know how I did it. It happened. Now it's all digital. <laughs> I'm glad. I had I'll someone I had someone a couple months ago on, on Twitter. I said, you know, we're taping a podcast you know send your questions and he's like really tape like, well you're right <laughs> we're recording it's, it. just it's not tape part of the lexicon but yeah I'm, I'm about to hit like two buttons and this thing will be magically on the air i can't believe it well it's outstanding and of course it's great content Derek sharp is with us now for the next couple of weeks steve is leaving we'll have tom jones so keep it right here thanks for listening for steve burstick and Derek sharp i'm rick stroud of the Bay times have a great day everybody 